Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any information about our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Well, good morning, Southland Church. I am so thrilled to be sharing with you here this morning. Uh, I have so much laid on my heart that I want to share, but such a small window to do that in. So I have no time for a comedic intro or a funny anecdote. So please take my word for it. Ordinarily, I'm an extremely funny guy. I just don't have any time to show you this morning. So perhaps I'll get invited back and there'll be time then. What I want to do this morning is I want to share with you two things. The first thing is I want to share with you a bit about my journey, how I came to be a part of Adult and Teen Challenge. And the second thing is I want to share with you why I am so stinking excited about what God is doing in this ministry, in particular in this area of Steinbeck. So if you have a Bible with you, if you turn to Matthew chapter 20, it's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says this statement. He says, the first will be last, and the last will be first. And his disciples must have looked at him like super confused because he, he goes back and he explains it via this parable. And so this is what he says. Matthew chapter 20, it'll be on your screens as well. We'll start in verse one. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner there it is. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour uh, and about the ninth hour did the same and the 11th hour, so this would have been about 5 p.m., the 11th hour he went out and found still others standing around and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because nobody's hired us, they answered. So he said to them, you go also and work in my vineyard. When evening came, so that's, that's the hiring, and then listen to the payment scheme. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them with the wages, but listen closely, beginning with the ones that were hired last and going on to the first. This is a very unorthodox method of paying the workers. Ordinarily, you'd pay the first group and they'd take off. But the landowner brings the last hour workers first. So the workers were hired about the 11th hour, 5 p.m. They each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also only received one denarius. A denarius is equivalent to a good day's wage. So when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But listen closely to the landowner's response. But he answered them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the first will be last and the last will be first. So the title of my message this morning is You Are Last. Uh, with me being extremely funny, I'm also very encouraging. So the message is You Are Last. That is the title of this message. Uh, let's pray together. 
Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for a Southland Church and the hearts and the prayers and the, the money that has been sown into this ministry. God, as we read your word and study your word today, would you cause it to, to leap off the page? Would it make a difference in our hearts? Would you stir us to receive all that you wanna share with us today? May you receive all the glory in this place in your mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys know that walking with God, journeying with the Lord, being led by the Spirit is a, a tremendously exciting and fulfilling endeavor? How many? About a 30. Okay, what are you guys teaching in this church? I'm telling you, it's super exciting. It really is. I want to share a bit of my story. When I was maybe eight years old, I, I'm good with words, so I read early. And when I was eight years old, I read this book. I saw this book in a used bookstore. I got a picture of it here to show you. It was called uh, Run, Baby, Run. You got a picture there to put up. And I was an eight-year-old boy, and I had my pocket money, and I saw this book. Is it going up on the screen? On, uh, they'll get there. And uh, it was a, a picture of a shirt with a switchblade pointed towards the chest. Uh, there it is, Run, Baby, Run. That's the actual book. Uh, that's on my coffee table in my office. And there was something about this book that drew me in. As an eight, nine-year-old boy, it was the image at first. It was this picture, looked so menacing. I had no idea who Nikki Cruz was. I had no idea what the book was about. But I picked the book up and I read it and it captivated my heart. There was something in the depravity of what this book depicted. And what it did is it described New York City and living on the streets and the depravity and the violence and the hopelessness that this guy, Nicky Cruz, experienced as a gang member. And I, I couldn't stop reading it. I read it from, from cover to cover. And then he kept talking about this weird evangelist preacher guy that would come and tell him that Jesus loves him. But I, I couldn't stop reading this book. I must have read it two or three times. It was a, an incredible book. And um, full disclosure, don't let any eight-year-olds read it. That's way too young to be reading the contents of this book. It's explicit. Uh, but my parents didn't police that, so I ended up reading it. So then I grow up, and I feel this strong sense of calling to the ministry. I, I want to I be poured out for the kingdom. I want to give every hour that I can, all the time, full time. I want to be working in the kingdom, laboring in the vineyard. And so I, I moved here to Canada. I met this beautiful gal. I married her 21 years ago. This year we celebrate our 21st wedding anniversary. So yeah, give, give her a hand for enduring 21 years with me. Three fantastic kids, bring so much joy to my life. Went to school, got a theology degree, and the missing piece was I didn't have the job. <laughs> I, I had everything else. And so I was praying. I said, Lord, would you open up a door that I could be involved in ministry? I want to do this. I love you. I want to preach. It's just who God's made me to be. So I was begging my pastor. I said, can I have a job? Can you hire me? Can, can you hire me? Every couple of months knocking on his office, can you hire me? And then that beautiful moment came. I got hired on at my local church. And I'll tell you now, man, it was like all my Christmases came at once. Like I was living the dream. Like I was, I had an amazing wife and kids and now I got this job. I was fulfilled. I literally could have died at that moment and I would have been fully fulfilled. I was striving for no more. Now, yes, there were still challenges and, and, and hardships within that. But deep down, there was a sense of fulfillment because I was doing what God had called me to do full time. I didn't have to go off to some job that distracted me. I was doing it. And you know when everything's lined up perfectly in your life? 
Everything's organized, everything's beautiful. And, and then God comes over and he goes, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change a few things here. You're way too comfortable. Now, full disclosure, I believe God is sovereign. So every single thing that happens in our lives, I believe God either directly causes or passively allows. But make no mistake, he is on his throne, he is sovereign, nothing gets past the Lord. So he saw it fit that during COVID, the campus where I was pastoring was closed and I was let go. I was released. I'm like, okay, what is going on with my life? And I'm telling you, I felt like I'd been told a loved one had died. I felt like my whole world had come crashing down. I'm like, this, this can't be happening. And I was wandering around, not dissimilar to the Israelites when they were wandering around in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining to the Lord. I mean, I was literally doing that, walking around my house in my pajamas, grumbling and complaining to the Lord. And all of a sudden, I had this moment where I had to figure out, what am I gonna do? I chose to continue to seek the Lord and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm gonna submit to this. I was led to believe that I would be hired back on in the fall, that somehow I was let go, it was just because of COVID, and once COVID's passed, maybe in the fall I could be hired back on. So I made this amazing plan. I'm gonna collect DI. That's what I'm gonna do. For four or five months, I'm just gonna maybe write a book, bury my head, and just get through this, this season and collect EI. Now, as part of collecting EI, if you've been on it, you have to apply for jobs. And I wasn't ready to leave my church because again, I was hoping to be hired back on. So I Googled non-church, non-profit Christian ministries. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there wasn't that many in Winnipeg. There wasn't that many uh, that popped up, but I saw Teen Challenge. No idea who Teen Challenge was. No idea who Daniel and Katie were. No idea. So I apply. And I'm like, this is great because the position is in Steinbeck. There's no way I'm driving out to Steinbeck and back every day. I'll tell you that. So what I'll do is I'll apply. They'll send a letter back and the letter will say, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. We'll go in a different direction. Then when EI come knocking, I could say, see, I've been trying to find a job. It's a good plan. Then I get an email back, hey, uh, we'd like to interview you. Ah, oh, that's not quite where I was going with this. Okay, that's fine, I'll, I'll go there. So I drive to Steinbeck. And as I'm stood there in the foyer, I'm a bit early, I'm punctual. And I'm stood there and I'm reading this vision, this mission statement. Let me read it to you. On, in the ministry office, on the wall, it says, it sprang full grown to mind, the house I dreamed of, a headquarters. Man, you don't dust in here, my allergies are going crazy. <laughs> a dozen or more full-time workers who shared my hopes for young people around us, who saw their wonderful potential and their tragic waste. There in the Teen Challenge Center, we would create an atmosphere that was so charged with this same renewing love I had seen on the streets that to walk inside would be to know that something exciting was afoot. And here we could bring boys and girls who needed special help. They would live in an atmosphere of discipline and affection. They would participate in worship and ministry and study. They would watch Christians living together, working together, and they would be put to work themselves. It would be an induction center where they prepared for the life of the Spirit. And I'm thinking, hmm, that sounds pretty awesome. And I started feeling the rumblings Maybe God's doing something here. 
And I was stirred and I still wasn't convinced. I went into the interview and Katie interviewed me and I wasn't selling myself that great. Why do you wanna be here? Well, I'm just collecting EI, hoping to get hired back on at my church. Just being honest. And she goes, well, we wanna have you over for a barbecue. The CEO wants to have you. I said, how do you know that? She goes, well, because he's my husband. Uh, wanna meet your wife and kids. Now, me, you could take me or leave me, but Deborah and the kids are pretty amazing. And I'm like, that's not gonna be good because I'm just looking for an email saying no. So we go for a barbecue and they say, we wanna offer you the job. And I said, well, what if I don't like it? And, and I leave in a couple of months. They say, we're willing to take that risk. I said, what if my church calls and says, we wanna have you back? I said, well, I'll go, I'm going to the church. I'm, I'm called to be a pastor, I'm going to the church. And they said, we're willing to take that risk. And in that moment, I had to stand back and say, hold on a second, is God doing something here? And again, I felt the rumblings and the murmurings. And Pastor Daniel said to me on the phone, I said, look, I'm not driving out there. It's gonna cost me a fortune in gas. Now that was when it was lower. Maybe I'm prophetic, but I said, I'm not doing it. And he goes, would you take a step of faith? I'm like, man, you're using my language. I'm a faith guy. I said, you know what, I'll do it. And that's how I came to be a part of the leadership team of Adult and Teen Challenge. And I started with them in late August. But let me tell you the second part of what I wanna share with you this morning why I'm so stinking excited about what God is doing uh, right here specifically in the area of Steinbeck. I vividly remember the very first time that we went to Adult and Teen Challenge Freedom Church in Winnipeg. And we walk in and I come from a place where everything's polished and they got you know, perfect screens and perfect audio equipment and, and everything's perfect, polished, always a full band. And I, and I go in and I see this group of guys like students leading students in worship, doing their best with what gifts and talents they have. It's not a full team. And then I see these guys with their hands raised worshiping God, covered in tattoos. You know, the tattoos? I'm like, where, where am I? And then I heard this overwhelming chant in this deep manly voice, because it was so full of men. It was Jesus, Jesus. And these guys were so passionate about God and what He's doing in their life. And they're so in love with Jesus. And I felt this thick, tangible presence of God. And it reminded me, I read this other book by Tommy Tenney uh, called God Chases. And in this book, you don't have a slide, don't panic. Uh, and in this book, he said, if you wanna be used by God, if you wanna encounter the presence, if you wanna be a part of what he's doing, look to where he's working and go there. And I said to Deborah, God is in this place. God is in this place. And you know why? You know why God is in that place? I'll tell you why. Because brokenness is good friends with addiction. And addiction can run rampant in someone's life and left unbridled, the whole world falls apart in their, in their swirl and they find themselves broken. But the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Amen? He is close to the brokenhearted. And it reminds me of this other book that I read. My supervisor thinks I don't read enough books. Yeah, I'm looking at you. I read plenty of books, thank you very much. I read this other one by Max Lucado called You Are Special. We do have a picture of this, throw that up on the screen. Yes, it's a children's book, it still counts, okay? <laughs> and I, I remember vividly, I was stood in the foyer of my in-law's house and I was waiting for my kids to come out and I'm just stood there and I'm sort of bored, just waiting. Come on, Deb, we gotta leave. And I see this book on the side. And so I pick it up and I start turning its pages. And it chronicles this story of this woodcarver that has made these wooden dolls, these wooden creations. 
And what they did with each other is if you do really good, you'll get a star. If you can jump high or run fast or sing good or speak well, you get a star. And other Wemmicks is what they were called. Other Wemmicks would see this and they would give you stars just because you had so many stars. And conversely, if you were not good, if you struggled, if you couldn't do what was required, if you couldn't run fast, if you failed, if you struggled, you'd get a gray dot. And all the Wemmicks saw these other Wemmicks and they would give them gray dots just because they had so many gray dots. And then they would feel insecure about the gray dots and they would stumble and fall and they'd get even more. And this, this Wemmick was lamenting and he goes to see the woodcarver. And honestly, I bawled at this response. <laughs> kind of like now, I guess. And uh, I was a bit embarrassed. I was like, why, why are we crying at this ridiculous children's book? What's wrong with me? I thought, I hope nobody sees. <laughs> uh, and uh, the response was this. The Wemmick laments to the woodcarver. And he says, look, I can't do it. I've failed again and again. I've messed up again and again. I can't do what's required. I'm shunned. I'm pushed out of society. And all the Wemmicks have given me these thoughts. Look at me, I'm a failure. And the woodcarver, he says, why do you care what other Wemmicks think of you? Who are they to give you stars or dots? They are Wemmicks, just like you. He goes, all you should care about is what I think of you. And I think you're pretty special. And the Wemmick looks up at the woodcarver and he says, me? Special? I can't run fast. I can't jump high. I can't sing well. I, my paint's chipping. Why do you think I'm so special? And the woodcarver leaned down and with his big hands, he placed it on the shoulders of the Wemmick. And with this big, booming, but soft voice, he looked the Wemmick square in the eye and he said, you are special because you are mine. And in that moment, I was crying. And I didn't realize back then what was going on. I realize now that I was actually in a system where my worth and value isn't because I'm Danny and because I'm a child of the king, but my worth and value was based on performance. And if I, can, if I can do the right thing in certain people's eyes, then I have opportunity and I get praised and I get brought into special things. And there was no worth and value in who I was because I was a, a son of, of the most high king. It was based on my performance. But that is not the gospel. And we see this in this story of the landowner. We see this rich landowner and he comes out and he sees these workers, the first hour workers, 6 a.m., bright and early. So he brings them in. I'll pay you a denarius for a day. And then there's some other workers that get hired. But in the payment scheme, it only references the first and the last group. So let's jump to the last group. The landowner, he says to the last group, what are you doing here? And they say, nothing. Nobody's hired us. And he goes, go on, get in there. Get in the vineyard. I'll take care of this. They don't negotiate and discuss any sort of payment. They just say, okay, but nothing else going on. They get in the vineyard. And then that's the hiring. But look at the payment scheme. Fascinating. So the, the landowner gets the foreman and he parades in front of everybody else, the last hour workers. They would have been there about 5 p.m., less than an hour of the day. And he pays them a denarius. Now imagine what they feel. I mean, they didn't expect a full day's wage, that's for sure. So they're excited. They're like, hey, this is fantastic. And they are happy, they are content. But then we contrast that to the first hour workers. Now imagine what they're thinking when they see this unfold. Well, for sure they're thinking we're gonna get so much more. We're probably gonna get tenfold. And then imagine the shock when they also get one denarius and they are indignant. Now, 
if you put yourself in this story, it does seem a bit unfair. I'll give you that. It does seem a bit not right, right? I mean, I mean, if that was a literal story, like if that was me, if I was out on the Pletz farm milking cows all day long and Daniel Emon strolls in less than an hour and then he gets paid the same, I'd be like, whoa, hold on a second. This doesn't seem right. This does not seem fair to me. And I wanna challenge you this morning. Why does it not seem right? And the answer is found in who has a problem in this story. The last hour workers, they don't have a problem that they got paid the same. They don't have an issue with this. They're not saying this isn't right. They are saying, oh, this is fantastic. The ones that have a problem with it are the first hour workers. They say, hold on a second. I'm declaring that I deserve more. And I wanna challenge you this morning. Would you search your hearts? In this story, who do you identify with? Do you identify with the last hour workers? Or do you identify as the first hour workers where you say, hey, I've done X, I've done Y, I've done Z, I'm entitled, I deserve. And for me, I don't wanna beat you up too much, I realize I'm a guest here, but for me, this story is so powerful because I look at the, the payment scheme and what I do is I'm guilty as charged, I identify as the first hour worker. And I say, I got up this morning at 5.30 a.m. I packed all my family, I drove at 6.30 to get here. For, for a living, I tell people about Jesus and I encourage them in the ways of the Lord. I raise my children up and, and tell them about God in a godly biblical way. I tithe the full 8%, sorry, 10, 10%. <laughs> Bit of humor, break the tension. <laughs> but I'm guilty of this. But as I study this story, and as I look at the heart of this landowner, my heart breaks. Because I realize I'm actually not the first hour worker, and I actually don't wanna get what I truly deserve. And if, if the system was built on you get what you deserve, that's not good news. And I am so glad this is such tremendous news that, that Jesus says, no, 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 I'm explaining to you how my kingdom works. This is how the kingdom works, that you get what you don't deserve. Boy, am I glad for that, because if I truly got what I deserved, it would be nothing good. It would not be working in the vineyard. And I know that because I stand here before you this morning as a man who's so desperately in love with God, but I struggle to keep the law. And I would be gravely afraid of meeting my maker if I was judged upon my performance and what I could or could not do, and if I got what I deserve. And if you say, hey, that's good for you, don't, don't look down your nose at me, because the Apostle Paul, one of the greats, by the way, he wrote half the New, over half the New Testament, most of it actually, he, he's, he's fantastic, he made it into the Bible. He says the same thing. And he says all these really good things that I try so desperately hard to do, I can't do them. And then all these bad things that I try so desperately hard to run from, I end up doing them. And he says, who can help me? See, Paul knew who he was, didn't he? He knew he was a second hour worker. And so for Paul, this was incredible news. And I wanna encourage you, place yourself in the story. Who do you identify with? And if you say, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I got, I got one thing for you, listen to this. 
The wages of sin is death. Don't shoot the messenger, it's right out of scripture. The wages of sin is death. By show of hands, how many people here have never sinned? Anyone? Sir, you're lying, put your hand down, lying's a sin. We, we, we can't, every one of us has sinned, we can't escape it, why? Because it's part of our sin nature, it's part of who we are. You are last. And you say, hey, that's not very encouraging, Pastor Danny. Are you kidding me? This is the most amazing news ever. Because if you were first, you would be last. But because you are last, look at the story. You actually end up being first. And this is why I am so excited to work with these men. We have a dozen men here living half a mile from this building and society would look down upon them. Society would point to them and they would say, there's the last hour workers right there. Look at their lackluster careers. They can't hold down a job. Look at that failed marriage. They can't stop using this substance. Their children are estranged from them. They are the last hour workers. Oh, but not us. No, no, I, I, I've been holding this job down for 33 years. I've never once looked at something I shouldn't have online. I don't lie. I built this church from the ground up 35 years ago. Doesn't matter. The Bible says your best righteous efforts are like filthy rags before the Lord. And what society does is society is so quick to look down upon these men. But what I'm so excited about that I get to work with these guys, that it's like looking in a mirror because we see, I see these guys and I see that myself, that I am the last hour worker and I don't want what I deserve. The very fact that you woke up this morning and you drew a breath is because of God's grace and mercy and kindness upon your life. Trust me, you do not wanna get what you actually deserve. And so when I work with these men, my heart stirs with the heart of God. And the last thing is if you were to place yourself into this story, and you say, okay, okay, so I'm a last hour worker. What does that mean? Well, go read the story. You are the last hour worker. You are walking outside of the vineyard and you're, you've got no purpose and no hope and no vision. You're stuck outside and you look into the vineyard and you see these first hour workers and you compare yourself to them and you say, I could never be like them. Therefore, I have to stay outside this vineyard the whole time looking in. And, and the landowner comes out and he says, what are you doing here? And you say, nothing. Nobody wants me. I can't do it. I fail again and again. I mess up. I'm unwanted. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You've completely missed it. He says, I want you. He says, come into my vineyard. He says, come to me. I'll give you life. He says, come to me. I'll give you vision. He says, come to me. I'll give you opportunity. And when payday comes, I will give you what you don't deserve, which is grace, forgiveness, mercy, hope. I'm telling you right now, the fact that you are last, that I am last, that these guys are last, that we don't actually get what we deserve, but we get to escape what we deserve, not because of our own merit, but because of the benevolence of the giver is the most fantastic news you will hear your whole life because He is the Saviour, He is the King of Kings, He is the Lord of Lords, and He is a good and mighty God, amen? So let's just close our eyes here in closing. I just wanna lead us in a prayer. I mean, I'm excited about what God's doing, but maybe you're here this morning and you, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You're like, who's, who's the landowner? The, la the landowner is Jesus and he's calling to you.
And he says, it doesn't matter of your past. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. I'm not looking at your performance. I'm looking at you because you are special, because you are a son or a daughter of the Most High King. And if you don't have that relationship with God, I wanna pray for you this morning. That right now, today, would be that definitive moment where you say yes to Jesus, where you answer this call that He has. He is calling you. And if that's you, and you say, I don't know if I'm going to heaven, I don't know if I'm in the vineyard. So every head bowed, every eye closed. We're gonna pray this, and I want you, if that's you, just pray it in your heart. Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you gotta, gotta believe this, don't just copy me for the sake of it, but, but open your heart up to the Lord and just pray. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross. Jesus, I thank you that I have worth and value because you say I do, not because of my performance. Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sins on that cross. You paid the price. You said, it is finished. And you set me free. This morning, Jesus, be my Lord. Show me the way, disciple me. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. In your mighty and precious name, amen. Can we give God a big hand for all He's done in this place this morning, yeah. You do realize that heaven is celebrating the lives that came into the kingdom this morning, right? You guys do get that, yeah? That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, if, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, go find someone, maybe Pastor Stefan, one of your leaders and say, hey, I'm in the family, man. Now let's start discipling because it's a long road ahead of discipleship. So thank you so much for your time. God bless you all.